Amen. Thanks, Matt. I've enjoyed the uh, December series. We had uh, Matt preach the first Sunday, Samuel the second Sunday. Amanda did a great job uh, last week, and, and so I've really uh, enjoyed uh, our December series. And now we're kind of post-Christmas. Uh, it's always kind of a... It, it's it, The Sunday after Christmas is a strange Sunday on the church calendar. And uh, a lot of times, forgive me for saying this, uh, a lot of times it kind of feels like a, a B Sunday, you know, like, you know, Christmas obviously is A sun, you know, A list Sunday, top notch priority, Easter, a, you know. Then you get to the, the Sunday after Christmas, feels like a kind of a B Sunday. I, I don't think that's the way it should be. Uh, 2020 obviously is different. And, and I really feel in some ways, and I know I can overstate this stuff, uh, I'm the pastor, that's what we do. But, but I feel like this is the most important Sunday of the year in some ways. And so I'm challenged by this. I feel uh, really emotional about this. And uh, so anyway... I hope you can, you can put up with me today. As Matt said, there are those programs, notes on the back. I think that can give you something to take home, something uh, to remember. But the thought that it's the, the last Sunday of 2020, I don't know if that has sunk in yet. Um, and we knew from the beginning, we knew 2020 was going to be a strange year when January began with Corrine Anton's funeral. And if you didn't know Corrine, she was an influential person, an influential staff member. Again, another one of those statements that has to sink in. Corrine was on staff. She was never the senior pastor, but she was on staff at Central Assembly for 27 years. That's unheard of to have a staff pastor through different pastors for 27 years. Uh, the die was cast. 2020 would not be an ordinary year by any stretch of anyone's imagination. From there, we drifted into the COVID era. Life would change dramatically, and I think permanently in many ways. March of 2020, society came to a grinding halt. Restaurants, businesses, schools, even church buildings closed some still have not reopened. That led to the emergence of the, the virtual church to a, to a much greater degree than we had ever known previously. Nursing homes, hospitals, and travel have yet to return to anything near normal. For a year known as 2020, we sure didn't see this coming. Central Assembly lost some familiar faces in 2020. Ron Linder, Vivian Peterson, John Hammersborg, Deb Williams, Mary Peterson, Bill McKay, and most recently, Peggy Garcia. Fittingly, 2020 was also host to an unprecedented presidential election 
We entered a new era of racial tension. We watched our cities burn on the nightly news and, and literally millions of people began a new adventure called working from home. We just didn't see 2020 coming. And so no one is, is sure how it will all play out from here. But it is the last Sunday of 2020, and 2021 looms on the horizon with all of its unknown adventure and all of its unwrapped mystery. In recent weeks, I've, I've prayed for a theme to, to launch us into the new year. It's been an unprecedented time for all of us. And I believe that there's significance to that. It, it has taken us somewhere we never dreamed we would be. And as 2020 and 2021 intersect, we find ourselves at a crossroad as the church universal and as the local fellowship that we know as Central Assembly. And I believe how the church handles this moment will determine our impact moving forward for years to come. I take that very seriously. I believe you do too. So I really wanted to hear from God. I wanted our theme for 2021 to be personal to us as a church at a time unlike any other. And I really believe what God laid on my heart is people of hope. I'm excited for 2021. 2021 is exciting to me as, as I look ahead. Matt mentioned the week of prayer. And, and that's January 3rd through the 9th, the first full week of 2021. And I know some people say, I don't have Facebook. I'm not online. I don't have a computer. You know what? It's okay. Because in the newsletter that you'll be getting in the mail this week and in next week's program, we will have the list of topics. So there's a different topic for each of the seven days. We'll have that topic listed for you. You can pray along with us. The only thing that's going to be on the message board is uh, basically a one-minute video of somebody praying over that topic. So that's all you're really missing out on. You can pray along with us the week of prayer. Usually we gather here in the sanctuary. You know, I, sometimes I feel like we've kind of pushed the envelope as far as gathering, as far as we dare right now. And so we won't gather, but we'll pray. The week of prayer. And I encourage you to purpose to be engaged in the week of prayer. What a, that's the best way to start 2021. Uh, another thing about 2021 that I'm excited about is another round of Take 5 Deeper. That begins January 9th, which is a Saturday. And if you're interested in signing up for Take 5 Deeper, which is our kind of discipleship course, uh, no matter how long you've attended Central Assembly, whether you're brand new or whether you've been here 30 years, if you haven't taken the Take 5 Deeper course, I exhort you to. Uh, about 100 people, I think 96 people, have been through the course. We do it seven or eight people at a time. And if you are interested in that, again, the, the, 
the, on the back of the seat in front of you, there's a card. It should say, I'm new on one side. The other side says, uh, uh, it's a connection card. And right in there somewhere, uh, I'm interested in take five. And we'll, we'll get back to you. Leave that on the seat. Uh, as you leave, we'll pick that up and we'll contact you about take five. We need seven or eight people uh, for that course. Begins January 9th. Um, Another thing I'm excited about, the winter series begins next week. It's called Everything I Learned. Seven sermons out of Genesis chapter 3. And kind of the premise for the title is, there, there used to be a poster, I'm sure it's still around. It said, everything I learned in life, I learned in kindergarten. And, and so the premise here is, really everything I learned about the Bible, I learned in Genesis 3. Seven sermons out of Genesis 3. The spring series is called Words in Red That Mess With Your Head. The words in red are written by, you know, were said by Jesus. He said some really interesting things. Uh, so that's a, an eight-part spring series. The summer series is ten parts on, on uh, a man named Joshua, one of my favorite guys in the Bible. Uh, I'm going to call it Life in Canaan. So a 10-part summer series. But today's, those are all the things I'm excited about as we head into 2021. But today's sermon determines our direction heading into 2021 and the future beyond that. But in order to get you to where I am, I have to set it up like a lawyer giving you an opening statement. And I recognize full well, and this is why I've been trying to emphasize this so much, I recognize full well this could be easily misunderstood if you don't listen carefully or if I don't communicate it well. My hope is that throughout this sermon, you will hear my heart. Hopefully, I can articulate my opening statement like Perry Mason. You ever... You ever watch Perry Mason? Me, the Miracle of Me TV. The, the series actually started in 1957. It ran for uh, nine seasons, 271 episodes of Perry Mason. Almost all of them pit defense attorney Perry Mason against prosecutor Hamilton Berger. Hamburger. You can't make this stuff up. And, and poor Hamilton, he loses every, every week, usually at the last second. So Perry's got some witness on the stand. He's got him squirming on the stand. Painted into a corner. And finally the witness on the stand says, All right, all right! I took the money, but I didn't kill her. And Perry says, You're right, you didn't. And he points to the back of the courtroom, somebody back there we've never seen before. And he jumps up and says, he's right, I killed her, and I'm glad I killed her. <laughs> Perry Mason. So I need you to hear my opening statement. Now my opening statement is really all about the new battle lines that were drawn in 2020. There have always been battle lines but over the years, the battle lines have been clear. In the past, the line of demarcation almost always put Christians 
on the same side of the issues. But the enemy's working extra hard in these last days to divide us. Let's not lose sight of that. The devil has pitted well-meaning people against each other on opposite sides of the issues of the day. Believers accustomed to unity have now seen walls of resentment built between them and their brothers and sisters in Christ. The issues are just so different than anything we've ever had to deal with before. And the devil loves it. Please note, throughout the rest of this sermon, please note, I'm not making a case for who's right and who's wrong. I'm just not. I'm simply describing the new battle lines. But I believe both sides have ascribed a motive to people's behavior, a motive that may not at all be the case. And then we hold them accountable for a motive that exists only in our own mind. Did we really understand their motives? No. And that's true both ways. Did we ever sit down and ask what they were thinking? Did we ever really listen to their heart? No. Did we tell everyone on our side of the issue what we assumed the other person is thinking? Sure we did. Have we harbored anger and bitterness toward people who behaved differently than we think they should? You bet we have. And then we posted it all on social media for all the unsaved world to see. The enemy is subtle. He couldn't divide us over biblical issues, doctrinal issues, church issues. And although he's tried on all those fronts, he failed. So he tried another way. He used the pandemic and our different opinions and priorities about keeping ourselves and those around us safe as the new battle line. The COVID issues are unique and new. They're uncharted territory for all of us. And this is important. And again, this is, this is where I need you to really hear me. We all get information from sources we deem reliable. But the reality is, none of us really know. And that's true even of the experts. The dangerous part is, we think we know. Let me throw an example at you. I've been taking Lipitor for five years. Lipitor is a, a statin drug. It has to do with cholesterol, those types of things. So I've been taking Lipitor for five years. Recently, I had a kind of a sudden onset of joint pain around my knees and, sh and shoulders. And, and uh, I'm having hernia surgery coming up, so I've had all these doctor appointments, had a heart procedure recently, uh, ablation. So I'm in contact with all these doctors anyway. So... I talked to three medical doctors, 
about this sudden onset of pain in my knees and shoulders. Three varied opinions. Number one, doctor, it's the Lipitor. Stop taking the Lipitor. Doctor number two, it's not the Lipitor. Studies show Lipitor doesn't cause pain any more than placebos do. And number three, it might be the Lipitor. Now, I, I've taken Lipitor for five years. These are all competent medical doctors. I'm not talking about the holistic guy who rents out a storefront on Tower Avenue. These are three competent medical doctors all over the map as to whether Lipitor is the cause of my pain. And Lipitor has been around for years. The pandemic, on the other hand, is uncharted territory. We have never been here before. The information has been a moving target from, from day one on how you get COVID, how it will affect you, how it's spread, what prevents its spread, and a hundred other related issues. And we all get information from different sources about COVID-19, whether it's a website, a health organization, a politician, a philosopher, social media, or the news outlet of your choice. And we tend to believe the source we trust. And now the battle lines are drawn. Odds are you're passionate, regardless of, of which side of the issue you're on. But passion does not determine truth. You can be passionate and wrong at the same time. It happens Every day. Think of the varied opinions of the three doctors in my Lipitor situation. It, what if you believed one and, and I believed the other and someone else trusted the third? That's where we are with the COVID-19 issues. And it has pit us against each other. Sadly, the battle over these issues plays out in our everyday lives. We, we think we know for sure, but we don't. I don't. You don't either. And so the battle lines are drawn with people who love each other on opposite sides of the issues. And they're ever-changing battle lines. If not for a 5-4 November 2020 decision by the Supreme Court of the United States of America on a case in New York, we may not be meeting as a church. Imagine that. And the battle lines are changing fast. November 25th, 2020, just a month or so ago, the governor of Vermont, Phil Scott, announced during a press conference that public schools, state schools, will be asking students questions about their parents' whereabouts during Thanksgiving to determine who gathered in large groups and to put them into quarantine. Suddenly, we're being pitted against each other. Tom Cruise flips out on the set of his latest movie twice in recent days because some didn't adhere to the guidelines and protocols. Five crew members quit after his most recent tirade. Now, now hear me. My point is not who's right and who's wrong. It's that people have been pitted 
against each other, people who love each other, are finding themselves on opposite sides of the battle lines. November 23rd, 2020, a woman from our church, longtime member of our local and Christian community, was terminated after 15 years from her place of employment for not signing an agreement to not gather with more than 10 people from more than two families, a decision that would have kept her from attending church, celebrating Thanksgiving and Christmas with relatives, and attending a family wedding. She didn't sign it. She was fired. New battle lines are being drawn. People are being told by relatives, you can't see our kids. You can't be around grandpa unless you quarantine. Here's the list of protocols we want you to follow. And people who love each other are landing on opposite sides of the issues. December 11th, 2020, a family is thrown off a United Airlines plane because their two-year-old wouldn't keep their mask on. We're being pitted against one another. Within recent weeks, Oregon Governor Kate Brown asked residents to call law enforcement officials to call police on friends and neighbors who violate the state gathering restrictions. I never did like those we're in this together commercial thing. The problem is the issues are not really cut and dry. As passionate as, as we may be, as, as convinced as you are, as convinced as I am that we are right, we are simply like one of the three doctors I asked about my Lipitor. We're convinced we're right, just like they are. But who knows? Now think of this. As you contemplate those issues, think of this. Leaders are left on an island, forced to make decisions that will alienate half the people around them, regardless of what they decide. Everyone thinks they're right. Everyone is passionate and has the link or the website or the video to send you espousing their side of the argument. But the reality is, we don't know anything. At least, we don't know much. I may be wrong. You may be wrong. Or, we may both be wrong to varying degrees. And I wish we all had that perspective. Just that as the baseline. I may be wrong. You may be wrong. Or we both may be wrong to varying degrees. We just don't know. But I'll tell you this. The motive we ascribe to the other camp is way off. And that's what needs to change. That's what will enable us to be people of hope. And our hope moving forward into 2021 begins with forgiveness. Listen, I'm spoiled as, as pastor of Central Assembly. I, I, <clears throat> I fully understand that. We've experienced 
tremendous unity in my 12 years as pastor here. We've been on a, on a journey together, and, and I have loved absolutely every minute of it, at least until COVID-19 entered the picture. Suddenly the battle lines were drawn in places that they'd never been drawn before. We were no longer talking about Jesus and the Bible and salvation. We're talking about behaviors and philosophies and priorities having to do with the pandemic. The issues were muddled based on information, perspective, age, and circumstances. And we became convinced everyone, especially Christians, should think and act like me. And when they didn't, we were disappointed. This is when we began assigning a motive to other people's behaviors. They're afraid, we said. They just don't want to be told what to do, we said. For the most part, we all did it. People on both sides of the issues and people in between, too. We somehow believe we know the why of someone's actions and we begin to hold them accountable for the motive that we ascribe to them that we created in our own mind. I've had several difficult conversations over the months with people who were unaware this is what was happening. The reality was the motives of the people on the other side, whichever side of the issues you're on, were very different than what we had conjured up in our imaginations or read about on Facebook. The reality is the motives of most of the people, other than a, than a few outliers on both sides that we always have with every issue, come from the same deep, passionate, caring place within them as ours do. Now, they may be wrong, just like you may be wrong. But their motive is not what you make it out to be. The tough part is, it isn't a biblical truth. It's not an absolute truth. Oh, I saw you on Facebook trying to turn it into a biblical truth, but you were extrapolating, and you were working really hard to get what you believe to sound like one of the Ten Commandments. And I'm talking both sides of the issue. It all served to leave leaders lost in the valley of decision. Having to choose between good people on both sides of an issue. I believe more pastors have had to be talked off the ledge in these last few months than at any time in history. Personally, I've never felt more alone in the ministry than in 2020. And I believe almost every pastor would say the same thing. We've had to make agonizing decisions about closing church, opening church, masks, no masks, and all the variations on the theme. And, and I know I've offended people. I've offended friends, people from church that I've known for decades, some for over 30 years. 
These are people I've partnered with as we've endeavored to spread the gospel throughout, the, throughout Superior, the Twin Ports, and around the world. We've, we've served together. We've prayed together. We've laughed together. We've, we ate together. Somehow we landed on different places on the issues of the day. And I disappointed them. And that's hard for me. I think, I think most pastors are pleasers by nature. I know I am. Some have treated me different since. Some avoid me. Some have dropped out of ministry. How do we get past this? How can our lives reflect people of hope if we're angry, hurt, or disappointed? Can we ever be on the same page again? I believe the answer is found in forgiveness. Some people will never ask for forgiveness. Some, some don't know to ask. They may not even realize that you're angry or hurt, but we can still forgive. Don't you see? We have to. I, however, can ask for forgiveness. I will. I am. I wish I could tell you that I knew all the answers from day one of the pandemic. I wish I could tell you that from the very beginning I had a plan in place where everyone's greatest good would be achieved and we would all live happily ever after. I did not. We made the best decisions we knew to make as we gathered information from a variety of sources, prayed for the Holy Spirit to lead us. I wish I could tell you we were right on every count. The fact is, it feels as though it's been a moving target from the very beginning. I'm not trying to convince you I'm right and you're wrong, not at all. But what some people miss is how much of a struggle it's been for me. If you thought I didn't care about your opinion, if you thought I wasn't listening, if you thought I thought I had it all figured out, you were wrong. In reality, I was struggling. I was agonizing over every decision, every choice, every email, every piece of conflicting information coming from people in the church who I love more than anyone or anything in the world. I tried to think beyond the moment. I tried to think into the realm of long-term ramifications, and I tried to hear from the Lord. I know I made mistakes. Looking back, there are things I would do differently. But my choices were never flippant. It doesn't mean they were all correct. If I hurt you, if I disappointed you, if I offended you, I'm asking you to forgive me. There are people I know I've disappointed, people who matter deeply to me. You will never know how that breaks my heart. Please forgive me.
And then recognize the role that Satan plays in this. And that's what brings us to today. We, we have a choice. We can forgive each other. We can choose to move forward and become people of hope in 2021. Or we continue to work really hard to establish the fact that we were right. If that's what we do, 2021 will be the sequel to 2020. I'm asking for the kingdom's sake for you to forgive me and for us to choose to love each other. And even though we may still have some differing opinions about the philosophies uh, around COVID-19, it's our only hope, our only way back to unity. If we are people of hope, then we are people who have decided to move forward. You see, inerrant within hope is the anticipation of something better. Hope looks forward. Hope means old things have passed away. Past offenses are forgiven. And love has covered a multitude of sins. That's an environment where hurts can heal, where wounds can mend, relationships can be restored, and intimacy can actually grow again over time, perhaps to an even deeper place than previously experienced. It's a fact that as you resolve conflict, thanks, baby. As you resolve conflict and as you settle differences in a healthy way, you actually become closer than you were before. And I'm I'm just fool enough to believe that can be true of us. Hope goes beyond wishful thinking. Hope takes us into the realm of expectation, confidence, and trust. Hope gives us something to share with the lost world, a world that is looking for us to lead. We may not have all the information on COVID-19 yet. We're still, we're still going to have to learn as we go. But we do know what it means to love one another. And if we get that part right, we earn the opportunity to share our hope with a lost and dying world. And that's why it matters. Acts 1.8 says this. But you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. When do you receive power? After the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Now what's the power for? So that you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the world. And as I look at 2021, I see an opportunity to minister to the four groups of people that are listed there in, in Acts 1.8. And as I kind of begin to bring this to a close, uh, let me break out these groups. First of all, there are the people we encounter regularly. Some we see every day. They're the people of our hometown. They're the people of our Jerusalem. They are the people in our neighborhood. Are we going to continue to neglect them spiritually? 
Or are we going to ask God what our role in reaching them is? When was the last time we did that? When was the last time we looked at our neighbor's house and said, God, what's my role in reaching my neighbor? Then there are the people of Judea. They are the people like us, people who look like us and think like us and act like us. How are we treating them? Are we enhancing their lives? Are we partnering with them in ministry? Or are we competing with them? And then there are the people different from us, the Samaritans. Listen, we have an opportunity in the day in which we live to build bridges that transcend race and culture and age. I believe most people want that kind of reconciliation. But as Christians, we have to make that effort. We have to be the ones to build the bridge. We have to be the ones that transcend the gap. And then we need to continue to increase our awareness and our emphasis on world missions. We are called to pray, send, go, and give. It's what we will do if we're people of hope. Now I want to I move forward in 2021. It's been, a, it's been a tough year. And I am the first to admit I have missed the mark in 2020. I know that. I'm asking you to forgive me. Beyond that, as your pastor, I'm asking you to forgive one another. I'm asking us to press on and to continue to work toward the common goals found in Acts 1.8. That's plenty to keep us busy in 2021. I don't want a sequel of 2020 in 2021. I want a fresh start. I want a clean slate. I want a new day. I want to be people of hope. You have the communion elements. I'm going to ask the worship team to wait for just a second. There's communion on the, on the bottom of the chair in front of you or it's sitting on the chair if you're in the front row. It's all self-contained there. You pull off that top layer, it exposes the wafer, and then the juice is underneath. First of all, we have open communion at Central Assembly. You don't have to, that means you don't have to belong to the church. You don't have to attend regularly. Uh, we believe the Bible prerequisite for taking part in communion is that you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. We just want you to understand what's transpiring. And so if you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, we invite you, we encourage you to take part in communion with us. But I, wanna, I do want to look at this a little bit different today. Typically, when we take communion, we, we think of the, the bread as, as the body of Christ, and it is. And his body was broken for us, and we can be healed. We can be made whole because his body was broken for us. But today I want to broaden the scope a bit. Instead of thinking of it in terms of my body and your body, let's think of it in terms of the body of Christ. And we need healing in the body of Christ. 
the church universal, right? This local fellowship that we know as Central Assembly. We need healing in the body of Christ. And, and I'm going to ask you to respond somewhere along this process here. And that includes people in the sanctuary, includes people online. Let's pray over the bread first. Lord, thank you for the bread that we hold in our hands. It, it pictures the body of Christ, the church. Lord, we need healing in the body. We need a miracle. The enemy is subtle. The battle lines have shifted. We need healing in the body of Christ. So Lord, we receive that from you today. Let's eat of the bread together. Now the question becomes, how, how do we get there, I guess? And that's the blood pictured by the juice that we hold in our hand. And the key to healing in the body is the blood. It's interesting to me that Leviticus says the life is in the blood. And if healing is going to take place in the body of Christ, then we need the forgiveness that comes from the blood. Now I need you to respond. And you can take this as, as seriously as you want to. I, I take it very seriously. And here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Before you respond, here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Before we drink of the cup together, I need you to respond. And this is the response. The response is not, I forgive you. And here's why. If, if you're estranged from a friend or a sibling, maybe you haven't had contact in 10 years, and one day you decide, I'm going to write a letter to them. I'm going to reach out to them. And if you write in your letter, I forgive you, what's the problem with that? The problem is they may say, I didn't do anything. So the proper response is, please forgive me. And so before we drink of the cup, I'm asking you in the sanctuary, if that's your response today, I'm going to ask you to stand. By standing, you're saying, and don't, don't do it to please me. Don't do it if you're not serious. But if you stand, you're saying, please forgive me. If you're watching online, on the live stream, I need you to type into the comment box, not I forgive you, please forgive me. If you're in the sanctuary today, you have your device with you, you can type it in the comment box as well. Please forgive me. I believe we stand at a crossroads. I'm not trying to manipulate you into a response that I deem necessary. But I believe we stand at a crossroads. The end of 2020, heading into 2021. We determine the direction today with our response.
Lord, we thank you for the cup. We thank you for the blood that you shed on our behalf. It wasn't because of what you did. It was because of what we did. We sinned. We fell short. We failed to measure up. And God, you sent your only begotten Son into the world in that moment that there would be a hope of reconciliation. And so, Lord, I stand before this congregation and I say, please forgive me. I ask you to forgive me, God. I ask them to forgive me as well. I believe if we're to be people of hope in 2021, it begins with forgiveness. Lord, I pray for those that are watching online. It's, it's, it's harder to be connected online. And some may agree and yet not have responded. Lord, I pray that you would prompt them to tangibly respond. Please forgive me. Lord, we love you today. We desire to move forward. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Let's drink of the cup together. I'm going to ask the worship team to come. Lord, I thank you that there's healing available for the body of Christ. It's found in the blood. Communion is an amazing time as we gather around the table and we recognize that you have something for us moving forward. We can be people of hope in 2021, but it all starts with forgiveness. Please forgive me. Lord, we love you today. In Jesus' name.